The eagle is flying. I repeat, the eagle is flying. And if you haven't guessed by now, folks, this week we'll be talking about one of my favorite sequels of all time, The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. We'll fly to Genovia as I plead my case on this underrated masterpiece, talk about several aspects that make it surpass the first film, and how its legacy echoes in the media today. Psst, look out the window, as we arrive at a brand new episode of That One Somali Nerd. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Faiza Badise here, and you're listening to That One Somali Nerd, a podcast on all things geek, and then some. Each week, I'll be reviewing a show, film, game, or comic series that has made big waves in today's geek culture. I'll also throw in a fair share of nostalgia with some fun surprises along the way. So get ready to hear it all from me and a whole lot more right here on That One Somali Nerd. Of course, be sure you check out my link tree in the notes so you can find my website at fadraws.com, along with my socials on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, all in one place. I also have a Patreon and patrons gain access to behind-the-scenes info, new episodes a day early, an invite to the official Discord server, and more. For details and inquiries, email me at fiza.badise at gmail.com. Thanks for the support, and let's get to the show. The Empire Strikes Back. The Godfather Part 2. Aliens. These are some of the films people consider to be the greatest sequels of all time. Not only did they stand out from their contemporaries, but managed to exceed their first installments in many creative ways. There are the movies that have left their mark on modern cinema, echoed in homage and parody alike. To this day, they are discussed among critics, examined by filmmakers, and revisited by moviegoers worldwide. With this appreciation for sequels, it's high time we put the spotlight on a feature that, in my opinion, deserves as much flowers as the rest of them. And by that, I am of course referring to the 2004 coming-of-age romantic comedy, The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. Say what you will, drag me on the internet for all I care, call me crazy, this is the hill I put my heel on. The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement is a rare case since it's a sequel to a film I grew up hating. As a kid, I never did like the first Princess Diaries and that goes double today. A lot of the story fell into the usual cookie cutter 2000s era teen flick, plagued by the same character tropes, stupid drama, and ugly dialogue choices that I had to skip particular scenes out of disgust. Even if people found it fun, that's not how I saw it. That just didn't feel a... Uh, spark. By the time the sequel arrived years later, I remained skeptical as to how they'll handle the work, and boy did I have questions. Will they improve this time? Will they ditch the school setting for once? Will they finally have a solid script that doesn't make me cringe every 10 seconds? To quote the iconic main theme, miracles happen. I went in holding my breath and left with a big sigh of relief. Gotta say folks, Royal Engagement isn't a class of its own. The film sees the return of several of the main cast members from the likes of Anne Hathaway as Mia Thermopolis, Julie Andrews as Queen Clarice, and Hector Elizondo as Joe, who by the way is the true MVP of the film, you'll see why. We also see returning characters such as Lily, Mia's best friend from the first film, alongside Mia's mom, who's since remarried, with a new baby boy added to the family. However, I'd be a fool not to mention the real star of the entire film, Fat Louie, because come on, you can't beat the cat. Heck, even Paolo returns to give Mia a brand new makeover just in time for a big day. Talk about a reunion. The sequel also has new additions to the cast such as Chris Pine in his very first feature role as Nicholas Devereaux, Mia's enemy turned crush. 
Raven Simone as Princess Asana, aka my personal favorite character, and John Reese Darby, aka Gimli from The Lord of the Rings, as the film's villain, Viscount Mavery. The second film sees Mia Thermopolis entering a new chapter in life, having left her high school days behind, graduated Princeton, and ready to assume her royal duties in Genovia. And uh, not gonna lie folks, this wasn't the only film from 2004 with a royal theme and a girl heading to Princeton. See also, A Cinderella Story. Nevertheless, Mia has a lot on her plate, between reuniting with her grandma, Queen Clarice, with plans for succession, finding new love, confronting age-old traditions, and dealing with a scheming Viscount plotting to seize the throne. There's a lot that goes on in this film, but it plays up on director Gary Marshall's signature comedic chops and rom-com style to hammer it home. Now, I can go on forever on how much royal engagement exceeds the first film in terms of quality that I actually rewatched it ahead of time before recording and wrote several details to back up my argument as the best sequel. And some of it had to do with a little magic. Black girl magic, that is. If there's something I can thank The Princess Diaries for, it's putting a spotlight on black women behind the scenes, and since it's Black History Month as of recording, I'd be remiss not to talk about it. The production credits Deborah Martin Chase and the late, great Whitney Houston as producers for both installments. Now the last part might surprise a lot of listeners tuning in because when you think of Whitney Houston, you think of Grammy Award winning superstar and not movie producer. But trust me when I say this, but it makes perfect sense in retrospect. Why? Well, when you think about it, Whitney was also responsible for producing and acting in the now iconic 1997 TV adaptation of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella starring Brandy. Fun fact, Julie Andrews starred in the original production of the musical, which was one of the first made for television during the 50s. Wow. Guess impossible things really do happen every day. But what made me smile the most in watching the second film was the earliest credit of a writer by the name of Shonda Rhimes as screenwriter. Knowing her impact on the media today with shows like Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, I find it amazing that Rhimes had a role in crafting my favorite quotable lines off this film, from Queen Clarice's A Queen Is Never Late, Everyone Else Is Simply Early line, to a lot of the constant banter throughout the film, she really does a good job fleshing out the cast right down to the extras getting a moment to shine. This also sounds a bit of a full circle moment now that she's working on Bridgerton for Netflix, even getting Julie Andrews on board for the series. With season 3 on the way, I can officially declare that royal engagement walked so Bridgerton can run. Sorry not sorry. Going back to the cast, I loved Raven Simone in the role of Princess Asana. As a kid who grew up in the golden age of Disney Channel, particularly with that so Raven, I couldn't help but tear up. Princess Asana has plenty of standout moments from her reunion with Mia at the ball to her big duet with Queen Clarice. There are plenty of fun scenes throughout the film that made me laugh, cry, and flat out gasp, all making for a good time. Matter of fact, I think I can name a few. in Genovia, stepping into her role with her trademark clumsiness intact. We find her interacting with so many people, especially one Nicholas Devereaux. Even when she eventually discovers his identity as Viscount Marbury's nephew, she holds her own and refuses to deal with him even as both of them start to fall in love. This all plays into Marbury's plans as he schemes against Mia throughout the film, but all of this is played to comedic effect. The parliament scene is hilarious as one of the members literally picks up the phone mid-conversation, calling BS on Marbury's proposal that Nicholas ascend the throne. Queen Clarice even critiques the age-old traditions that royal women must marry to ascend the throne, much to the delight of a curious Mia listening in. 
also love how Prime Minister Motaz, returning from the first film, hears both sides out with his signature wit shining through each time. However, as per the final motion, he gives 30 days for Mia to find a worthy suitor, lest Mabry put Nicholas on the throne. I love how the film explores more of Genovia both within and outside the castle grounds. We see Mia and her grandmother Queen Clarice bond more, their fan practice scene being a favorite of mine. We also have characters like Joe navigate his long-harbored feelings for the Queen, even with retirement plans and tutoring a new intern, Lionel, aka the Prime Minister's nephew, who is literally just trying his best, folks. You can't blame him. Brigitte and Brigitte are fun to watch as their banter leads to a lot of hilarious moments on screen. Clarice's poodle, Maurice, even makes for a fun free addition as a friend for Mia's cat, Fat Louie. And not gonna lie, folks, Mia's new suite looks incredible, with a closet showcase leading to a surprise reunion with Lily from the first film and with a new hairdo to boot. The scene with the girls reviewing potential suitors was cool to watch, with a notable appearance of a, a particular royal in the mix. I also love this one moment where they're gushing about one of the guys listed, only to discover he has a boyfriend, as Mia and Lily say, right on in unison. Not gonna lie, folks, this movie was ahead of its time. Speaking of ahead of the time, I am stunned they got a Stanley cameo in this film. Talk about foreshadowing. But hey, don't believe me. Go back, pause around the wedding guest arrival scene, look a little bit closer, and thank me later. Gonna say right now, folks, Genovia is officially part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe canon. You're welcome, nerds. You also see more new characters stepping onto the scene, and by golly, did they add a lot more into the mix. We have a new character named Elsie, a reporter who provides exclusive commentary on Genovia news, and honey, does she bring the tea. I love how royal engagement plays on the tabloid aspect of royal life as her show, Eggs with Elsie, adds more fuel to the flame of royal drama. Charlotte is by far the best advisor to Queen Clarice, offering her two cents on royal happenings all around the castle. Andrew Jacoby is a sweet choice for Mia's initial suitor, even when his relationship with her gets tested to its limits. And I'm gonna say, folks, Captain Kip Kelly is a pretty fun dude himself, his over-the-top delivery and dynamic with Lily making me crack a smile every time they're on screen. From the other side, Bad Cat Marbury takes the cake, making for a good antagonist with his love for over-the-top Machiavellian tactics ramped up to 11. The scene with Joe telling him off is nothing short of legendary, showing how far our favorite bodyguard is willing to go to protect the crown. I mean, no shade to Liam Neeson, but your certain set of skills ain't even close to how much diplomatic immunity my boy Joe has, even in Puerto Rico. Aside from that, there's also moments I personally treasure the most in regards to its themes of womanhood. We see Mia as a role model for the youth, going so far as to halt the parade to help an orphan girl from being bullied. She goes a step further to even invite the kids from the local children's shelter to join in on the festivities, even planning to relocate the shelter to an old castle nearby. Her speech on the age-old traditions that restrict young women in Genovia speaks a lot to how women today struggle to break the glass barrier to make it in the world. Seeing Mia sacrifice her fairytale wedding for Queen Clarice to marry Joe was a heartwarming experience that rounds off the romantic arc on a high note. However, if there was one highlight that won me over, the slumber party sequence has got to be the best one. Mia went out of her way to invite princesses from all over the world to dance the night away. The girls were arriving in full force and honey, they showed up and showed out. Sorry to the first film, but you can't possibly top mattress slides, roller skates, and sing-alongs to iconic bops. Now, this is pretty much of a good time to take a break, so when we get back, we'll talk about the film's soundtrack, its love for Y2K nostalgia, and its impact in retrospect. Stay tuned! And 
and we're back to the show. Once again, this is Faiza Barise, and you're listening to That One Somali Nerd, a podcast on all things geek and then some. Thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Now, when you're talking about movies, you'd be a fool not to mention a soundtrack, and baby, Royal Engagement has nothing but bops on this one. I kid you not. They straight up churned out more hits than the last one. No shade to BB Mac and Backstreet Boys, but y'all ain't cutting it. And they even boasted enough star power to fill up your 2000s-era playlist. I still think they got Smash Mouth frontman Steve Harwell in the mix with Fun in the Sun playing during the archery montage. As an avid memer, this was a welcome addition that made for quite the all-star lineup. Heck, this is the movie that gave a whole generation the quintessential aughts anthem that is Kelly Clarkson's Breakaway. Once that song hit in the parade scene and shot to the chorus once the kids went along, you couldn't help but tear up. The slumber party scene alone got hits on hits by the count. On one hand, you got Christy Carlson Romano's jam Let's Bounce during the mattress slide montage, and on the other, you got the all-out banger that is Avril Lavigne's I Always Get What I Want in the second part. Even Pink's hit single Trouble got a moment when Queen Corey's gotta turn down the slide. Of course, I'd be a fool not to mention Raven Simone and Julie Andrews' duet smash hit Your Crowning Glory. Hearing Andrews sing again made me glad since a lot of us grew up watching her in The Sound of Music and obviously Mary Poppins. Just gotta say, that collab was practically perfect in every way. There's also some cool jams added that's worth mentioning in this one. The heartfelt rendition of Love Me Tender by Nora Jones and Adam Levy during Mita and Nicholas's romantic dance in the woods made me swoon a bit. Jesse McCartney, hot off his beautiful soul era, contributes with Because You Live, which is a underrated favorite of mine. At the very end, Raven Simone comes in with This Is My Time playing, along with Lindsay Lohan's I Decide, showing how far Mia has evolved from a nerdy girl in Frisco to a full-blown queen of Genovia. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Disney during the Buena Vista era, we tend to disregard their sequels as inferior and or a shameless cash grab. However, Royal Engagement stands among the few that were able to retain aspects of the original while making it a thousand times better. And this is gonna sound like a reach for some of y'all, but I put it right up there with Sister Act 2 back in the habit in capturing this perspective. Even if they're labeled quote-unquote bad sequels by critics, that won't change how people continually revisit these films time after time. As much as they were ahead of the time, they were of its time as well, and Royal Engagement wears its 2000s-era digital heart on its sleeve. I keep forgetting that this film came out in 2004, and having grown up around that time, I could spot a lot of things that were a blast from the past. I mean, this is a film that has Nokia phones, film canisters, and classic Mustangs. But then again, it's the little things like that that make Royal Engagement a feel-good throwback film. Those elements really add to its never-ending charm, and in retrospect, still resonate with me today. Once again, I can go in length on how Royal Engagement remains as the best sequel that Disney offered in the aughts. The comedy, drama, and heartwarming moments make it a strong standout from its predecessor. and accomplishes several feats, some ahead of its time, that are a staple of today's media landscape. The film goes far as to add two new people that would become iconic figures in the film industry. 
Whether it's the surprise cast choices or iconic musical moments so many of us remember, we can't help but look back happily. Even with the passing of Gary Marshall, I still find ways to honor this man's work in revisiting this underrated treasure of a film. Say what you will, The Princess Diaries 2 does not miss, and it's high time people stop sleeping on this masterpiece and give it the respect it deserves. And that's in the name of Her Royal Highness Amelia Mignonette Thermopolis Rinaldi, Queen of Genovia. And that's the end of this week's episode. As always, you can check out my link tree in the notes along with my website at fadejaws.com and socials on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram all in one place. I also have a Patreon where patrons gain access to behind-the-scenes info, early releases of new episodes, a link to the official Discord server, and more. For details and inquiries, email me at faiza.badise at gmail.com. Once again, this is Faiza Badise signing off for That One Somali Nerd this week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Geek on!